welcome to Money Tips by Charles Kelly, author of Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. Charles spent over 25 years in financial services, working for banks, insurance companies, and as a qualified independent financial advisor running his practice before setting up his speaking, consultancy, and property business. Money Tips will help you save, make, and accumulate more money, whether you are a business owner, entrepreneur, employee, or still searching for your vocation. Interest rates are set to rise by December, economists predict. My name is Charles Kelly. I'm the author of the book, Yes, Money Can Buy You Happiness. And I've also run these podcasts, which uh, now come to over 250 episodes. I help people with money issues and coaching and, and so on. Now, what I want to talk about this evening is what I've been going on about for the last few weeks, and that is rising inflation and rising prices. Uh, prices are going through the roof for, for energy, for food, for fuel, uh, oil at $84 a barrel, uh, natural gas prices in the UK have quadrupled. And now this is leading to higher inflation. We already had higher inflation due to just costs going up after the, the end of the lockdown. Everything's just seemed to go up. Food's gone up. Just just everything. Uh, so this is causing higher inflation. And now we have the, the markets, the economists in the markets, predicting and pricing in an interest rate rise before Christmas. The Times reports today that the economists at the Bank of America in London expect a modest, well, it's a 0.15% percentage point rise by December. That will take base rates up to a quarter percent. And it's, you know, it's, it's base rate lending rates have not actually increased since 2018. Uh, they went down in March of last year during the, the lockdown and the pandemic, and they went down to an historical 0.1%. I think they were followed by similar kind of rates in America as well. So we've had very, very low interest rates, which is, is not great for savers, to be fair. You know, they're, they're getting very low rates on their money. Now, if you're earning next to nothing on your money, but then you've got 4% inflation, that means it's eating away at your money each year. You're losing 4% of the buying power of your money with, with almost zero return if you're sitting just there in, in cash. Now, the central banks are a little bit between the rock and a hard price when it comes hard place when it comes to raising rates. Uh, they need to raise rates to curb inflation. Inflation is expected to reach 5 and 6% by the end of this year. And at America, if it counted inflation properly, it, it would already be over 5%. And some even say higher than that. Uh, so they've got to do something to curb inflation. And the way they usually do it is by raising interest rates. That slows the economy down. But the economy is not really motoring forward. Uh, it's just that prices are going up. Uh, due to various shortages and, and so on. But if they do increase rates, the, the, the central banks and the, and the countries in, in, in America and the UK and Europe will have to pay billions more in interest on the money that they owe as well to, to bondholders and, and, and all sorts of other institutions. So they're damned if they do and damned if they, if they don't. It will cost the UK, like a 1% rise in interest rates would cost the UK 10 billion a year that's just 10 billion just gone like that. Uh, and and in, in America, it would be even more on their humongous multi-trillion dollar debt. I think it's, it's certainly over 30 trillion. Uh, so that, that's what the situation, that's the situation they're in. Uh, unlike in, in a booming economy, you expect 
inflation to rise. But this is not really a booming economy. Yes, it's going up because we've had it started from a low point where there was a big downturn last year. So what what is causing this? Well, you know, fuel is one thing, oil uh, and, and, and gas is going up, but also it's just the shortage of goods, the shortage of staff uh, and and just just generally, things are, are just going up. A lot of our stuff is imported from China. Uh, and even just after the, the pandemic, we knew that shipping costs had, had gone up, uh, had, had risen sharply. So that is immediately going to add to the, the cost of everything. So it, it's, it's not looking good. And you, you could have a situation where you've, you've got uh, higher inflation, but low growth. And that, that's usually called stagflation, uh, which Japan had after their boom ended at the end of the 80s, and, and, and they've never really recovered from it. Now, as far as uh, interest rates are concerned, you know, apart from investors, they're looking at interest, they'd like interest rates to go up, but homeowners and buy-to-let mortgage holders will probably be not so happy uh, because, because most people who own a home, especially young people, would have a mortgage on, on that home. They'll not be so happy. But in, in the UK, we expect most of those will be protected for the time being whilst they're in a fixed rate mortgage. But they will suffer higher repayments once these deals expire. And usually in the UK, most most Fixed rates are, are fixed for only sort of two to five years, maybe a bit longer. I, I know in America, a lot of mortgage rates are, are fixed for longer, 10, 20 years. But in the UK, the longer you fix it for, the higher the rate is. So if, if you'd fixed your rate, you know, a few years ago for 10%, uh, for 10 years, I mean, you'd, you'd have probably been paying four or 5%. Whereas, you know, you'd be losing out big time because rates have been so low. Uh, and, and I'm thinking, on you know the choice comes when you when you come to renew these rates you say well if i go for a, a two year deal it's maybe i know i'm just guessing here say one and a half to 2% but if i go for a five year deal it maybe is is 3% plus and so you're thinking well what should i do because rates could go up I, if I if I take a two year deal, then in another two years, I've got to make another decision. Rates could be higher then. So on, on, on my stuff, I said I'll go for a five year uh, deal because I didn't want to go through this two year churn every time. And then at the end of two years, you have to make another decision. You have to pay another fee to, to fix your rate. And actually, at the last round of, of uh, uh, renewal, rates had actually gone up, even though. The, the base rates were historically low, almost zero. The, the lenders were charging more to their mortgage holders when, when they come to, to get a new fixed rate deal. And in fact, I, you know, there, there wasn't much choice. I had to take a higher rate. My payments on one of my mortgages doubled from what it was before. And this is at a time when uh, you, were at, you had historically low rates. And, and since then, rates have remained low. And it all seems to happen with the fixed rate. The longer I fix a rate for, the more interest rates go down. Uh, and, you know, but th there you go. At least you, with a fixed rate, you've got some security there. And uh, so that, that's going to be interesting when, if we start seeing rates creep up and, and economists are saying that, yeah, rates will go up by a small amount in December, but they could, there could be further rate rises next year. So if we start seeing rates rise, and people are coming to the end of a fixed year, two or three year deal where they had a very low rate in the past, then they could suddenly see a big hike in their mortgage repayments. And that's not good for them. Now, cheap borrowing, of course, has been blamed as, as one of the reasons for, you know, increasing soaring house prices, which have put houses beyond 
a lot of people's reach, especially first-time buyers. And this is despite the country experiencing the worst recession, the worst economic downturn on record. And yet house prices have continued to soar. It's partly due to other reasons. There are a lot of reasons for it. There's a shortage of houses in the right areas. Uh, there's plenty of land in the UK, but you can't build on most of it. I think only about 2 or 3% of the land in the UK has been developed. Uh, the rest of it is green fields. And, and I'm talking about uh, developed in terms of houses and buildings and, and roads. Most most of the land, if you, if you drive around, if you drive outside the big cities, you'll see countryside everywhere, big parks, national parks, uh, loads of green. A lot of it's called the green belt. You can't develop on it. Uh, a lot of it is called farmland. Of course, you don't want to just build over every bit of farmland. But, uh, you know, th there is a, 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 a belt called the green belt, which goes around most big cities. And every, all the building that goes on mostly goes on inside that that powder keg, that pressure cooker inside the green belt, where land becomes more and more expensive because you can't build outside of that that ring that goes around it, and that that creates huge pressures on on land costs. The cost of building houses is not the main thing. You can build a house for fifty thousand pounds, maybe a hundred thousand pounds. So why do you need to pay a million pounds for that same house, or or six or seven hundred thousand pounds for that same house? Well, it's the cost of the land. And, and, and that's that's the way it is. But over the years, we've had quite low interest rates, even before this record low interest rates. We had we've had low interest rates since 2008 when we had the last downturn and uh, the government's brought rates down. They wanted to pump money into the economy. They've been printing money ever since. So obviously, asset prices with all this money printing have, have continued to rise. Interest rates are low. You can borrow money so cheaply. I, I remember uh, about five or six years, no, maybe long five, six, seven years ago, I was able to borrow more money and, and, and buy another property with that money. And, and my repayments went down I think on on one particular mortgage, I was paying a thousand pounds a month. I was able to borrow another hundred thousand, remortgage it, borrow another hundred thousand on interest only, uh, and, and my payments went down to two hundred and fifty pounds a month. And I used that 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 hundred thousand to buy another property, which gave me then income, and it's still giving me income today. So it almost made sense to keep borrowing money to to buy because that the money is just so cheap. And and why would you have your money sitting in the bank? when you can borrow and buy assets that then produce income. Now, it worked out for me then, uh, you know, you can go too far with it. You can you can over leverage yourself and then get caught if there is a downturn and, and lenders can start calling in loans if the, if the values of the properties are seen to go down too near to, to, to what you owe on the properties. That happened to people after the last uh, uh, credit crunch when lenders started calling in mortgages where they felt that, the, the the loan to values were getting too high or the values of the property were nearing what was outstanding on the loans. A lot of people got caught by that and it caused big problems for them. It's never happened to me, but it can happen. Lenders can call in mortgages. When I say call in, they can just demand their money back, you know, just like that. It, it's, it's in your mortgage terms if you read them. So cheap borrowing is, is still around. It looks like it will still be around, but rates will start to creep up. So just be careful there. And if rates creep up, then that should slow things down. And, and normally when you get much higher interest rates, that normally uh, creates a, a, a bursting of the bubble in the property market. Property markets love uh, periods of low interest rates. It doesn't always happen like that. You know, I've, I've been in a property bubble where interest rates were very high. But if, if, if rates continue to go up, you would expect property 
as, a, as an asset class, as a, as a buy-to-let class to suffer. And of course, we've got all this anti-buy-to-let sentiment going on across the country from, you know, the public and and the left 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 wing of politics, uh, you know, the Labour Party saying, you know, we we all these rich landlords and this sort of stuff, and 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 of course, the government have brought in rules to to uh, make life more difficult for for buy-to-let landlords. They've taken away tax benefits from them. And it's it's not been good, but it's still a fairly profitable business. And for, for people investing in pensions, they, they many millions of people have put their money into property where they can use leverage to borrow to buy property rather than put their money into pension schemes. That that's just that's just a fact. Right. So at the moment, there are 1.1 million job vacancies in the UK. They've reached a 20 year record high. And that will in turn slow down economic recovery because how can companies expand? How can they do more business if they're short of staff? And and yes, this, this includes mostly hospitality, includes uh you know some engineering, some mechanical work and and, and farm work as well. And, and of course lorry drivers that we've all read about. But you know a, a business can't expand if it doesn't have the people. So a, you know a haulage firm is losing business because it's it's got lorries sitting there with no one to drive them. Uh, and you know we've even got the port of Felixstowe backed up with with containers because they haven't got enough uh, drivers to get them out and get them delivered to their customers. So eventually they might have to start turning ships away. So a staff shortage is not good for business. Now, suddenly it's this staff shortage seems to have come out of nowhere because it's not just in the UK. So you can't just blame Brexit, but it's also in parts of Europe, in uh, in Germany and, and in America and, and in France. Uh, so where this has sort of suddenly popped up from, it, who knows? I, I'd have to really study into that and see what the situation exactly is with that. But the ONS reports that the number of employees on payrolls, these are now employed people earning salaries, showed another monthly increase, rising 207,000 to a record 29.2 million in September. So that, that's a, another record number of people in employment. So that should be good news for the economy in that respect. And the Institute for Employment Studies, the IES, said labour shortages were affecting the whole economy and were, were likely, uh, and, and were likely between a quarter and a third is explained by lower migration. So they're saying that... Um, you know, if if people can't come into the country and fill fill those jobs, then it will affect the economy in in the long run. And they're they're saying a third of it is down to lower migration. Well, obviously after Brexit, we've had the end of free movement of labour in in terms of the UK. Uh, we we had that before where people could just come into the country without any visas from any European Union state and and work and do what they wanted and claim benefits in in some cases, um, but. With that ending, that, that 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 was obviously going to create some sort of squeeze on employment, and I think the timing was so bad with the lockdown because a lot of people from Eastern Europe went home during the lockdown because there was no work, uh, especially those working in hospitality and, and those kind of jobs. Just said, well, well, I'm going home to sit it out, and maybe some of those people haven't come back. Maybe they've got jobs in their own country or in Germany or, or other countries. I, I don't know. But Tony Wilson, the director of the IES, told the BBC that there are, were now fewer unemployed people uh, per vacancy than any time in the last 40 years. Wow, any time in the last 40 years. So that's going back to the 80s. And this is down to fewer older people in work 
and more young people in education. Well, there you go. Uh, it, it was a policy of the Blair government to get more people into university. Uh, they wanted 50 or more percent of people to go to university. Many feel that these a lot of these people would be better off going into vocational studies, which is directly related to jobs, rather than, say, doing something like, I don't know, philosophy or ancient history at, at university. Uh, sorry if, you, if you're a philosophy student or an ancient history student, but I'm just trying to give that extreme example. Um, whereas a, a, a young guy I know, he he didn't go to university. He went straight into an apprenticeship to become a surveyor. And he's on on his way to, to gain into professional qualifications as a, as a chartered surveyor. And and he during his time in his apprenticeship, he's been able to buy a property with a bit of parental help, but he's got a mortgage and he's well on his way. If he was at university, he'd he'd probably just be leaving now with a huge debt of thirty thousand pounds around his neck. So, but going to university is not the be all and end all. And if if you want to go to university, you should be able to. Uh, it's a great thing, but uh, I think the, the the figures explain it here that more people are in in education and and, and can't work. Whereas if they're in vocational courses, they'd be combining work with with their studies, such as as apprenticeships. So that's that's another statistic. Um, and you know the number of vacancies, as I said, hit a one point one million, and average weekly earnings, including bonuses, are now pushing higher and higher. They've reached seven point two percent higher than this time last year. And wage rises, which actually have in some sectors have, have gone 15 to 20% higher. And we've got farm workers being paid a thousand pounds a week to pick crops, 15 to 20% higher in some sectors. And, and that automatically usually leads to higher inflation. Because if the employer has to pay 15% more to their for the on, on their staff cost, where are they going to find that extra money? They have to put it on the prices. And 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 it's just it's just common sense, isn't it? Um, I was at my local fish and chip shop, the famous English dish. Recently, I always talk to the owner and have a little chat with him. And he, and he said, you know, uh, oil's gone up, cooking oil, uh, electricity, gas is going up and staff costs are going up. He's, he's struggling to find staff, food prices, the fish, the, uh, you know, the potatoes, everything is, is going up. And and he said, my prices will have to go up very soon. He's tried to hold his prices down. He's tried to sort of reduce portions a little bit, which which is fine. But eventually, his prices will inevitably have to go up. And that's just that's just one example of a small business uh, selling fish and chips. You know, what about the big businesses that are are having to pay lorry drivers now seventy thousand pounds a year uh, to drive a truck? How are they going to do this without putting up prices? So wages, and I've seen this in the seventies. A lot of young people might say now, oh, inflation, what are you, what are you worried about inflation for? We, what is inflation anyway? What, what's that all about? Well, I've lived through inflation in the 20%. I've seen unions go on strike for higher pay claims when they wanted a 25% wage rise, a 25% wage rise. I can't remember whether it was the, the dustmen who went on strike, the miners were always asking for that sort of money, the rail workers, they all had powerful unions. And in fact, we're, it's almost reminiscent of the 70s because in Brighton, the unions have had their dustmen on strike for the last couple of weeks and, and rubbish is piling up in the streets of Brighton with, with rats jumping through all the, the plastic sacks of rubbish on the streets, which very much reminds me of the 70s when they had that that 
long strike and the winter of discontent and, and, and there's national strikes going on for, for months and months and rubbish was piling up in Leicester Square in London, you know, like 20 foot high pile of rubbish. So this is like, this is, it's almost like the replay of the 70s, higher inflation, higher wage demands, an oil crisis in the 70s. Now we've got a, a natural gas crisis combined with, with $84 a barrel oil prices. It's not, it's not a, an oil crisis yet, but in the 70s you had uh, the time when all the Arab states uh, suddenly um, massively increased the price of oil, which sent the rest of the world into into uh, recession because they'd been used to cheap oil prices, and and similar things happening with natural gas now, and and that's that's going to drive uh, some countries into recession and could see a long cold winter. So we're, we're now we're not calling it the oil crisis of the seventy, but that we're now calling it the the uh, energy crisis. And the energy crisis is threatening to shut down manufacturing within days in the UK. A lot of big uh, uh, manufacturing companies, steel, um, ceramics, food production, packaging, paper, they, they need a lot of power and, and they may have to shut down. It could be like the 70s three-day week where they have to, to go on a, a shorter working week because they haven't got enough power. Yes, the lights went out in the 70s, actually. They, they had a three-day week because... Uh, there were power cuts and and people were advised not to go to work more than three days a week to preserve power. I think that was might have been an, in a coal miners strike uh, because most of the power stations were were fueled by coal in those days. So we, we've seen this before. Um, uh, business leaders want more government help. Of course, they want the government to open the doors to immigration and just let anybody in so they can fill all the labour shortages. But the government doesn't want that. The government wants an end to low skilled uh, uh, and low-wage migration and wants to build a new high-wage, high-skilled economy. And But I think they're going to have to help the uh, the, the energy in, in the energy crisis. They're going to have to help companies with uh, loans and, and some sort of package to help them through this. And I think they, they were announcing something today or they're talking about announcing something between the business secretary, uh, Kwate, and the uh, Rishi Sunak, the Chancellor in the, in the Treasury Department, that they're going to have to put some money behind this to help businesses. Otherwise, businesses could go bust. And we're talking about major companies that employ thousands of people. And it, it's a shame, really, because, um, you know, the UK is actually sitting on huge supplies of natural shale gas that they will not uh, mine, they will not frack, called fracking, this is, uh, well, not frack because the government is worried about environmental concerns. And I understand also that the UK manufacturing companies have to pay a tariff, an environmental tariff. I mean, God's sake, they pay an environmental tariff, which other countries don't just ignore all that. They don't have to worry about it. It puts us at a massive disadvantage to China. China is burning uh, coal like there's no tomorrow. They've got coal-fired power stations guzzling gas out into the sky and emissions uh, that that make us, I mean, we're only, we only account for, I think, 1% of global emissions in the UK, and yet we're stifling business. We're, we're putting all these rules and regulations on them. They wanted to open a new coal mine in, in Cumbria, a small coal mine. It was shouted down so much that it, it looks like it's not going to happen. I hope it does happen. They can find a way of, of dealing with the emissions. They can, they can have, uh, use technology to, to deal with the emissions, because if not, if we're just relying on natural gas from Russia, then I, I feel we're in trouble. 15% of our, of our electricity actually comes from France. Now we're in a dispute with France over fishing again. France is already threatening to, to cut off Jersey's power 
And and I think they're, they're talking about doing the same to us. They're not happy about the deal we did with Australia because they, they got cut out of the deal, uh, the the AUKUS deal with America and UK and Australia. But that's not really our fault. Why, why shouldn't we get involved with supplying uh, 21st century submarines and, and cutting them out of a deal that was going to supply last century diesel submarines? Well, that's not our fault, really. But I think we should look at our energy policy again, uh, get the UK moving, take away all these these silly tariffs and, 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 and that make our industry uncompetitive and means that employers like Tata Steel closed a steel, uh, a good steel uh, factory down, a, a, a very efficient steel factory down a few years ago. If you remember, I think it was in, um, oh, not Corby, it was uh, so, so, some other city uh, in, in the north, they closed this this factory down. Why? Because of carbon credits. Does anybody even understand what carbon credits are? There was a good work, workforce there. It was a modern uh, te- modern uh, plant producing high quality steel. They had to close down because of environmental issues uh, called carbon credits. So they'll open that in India. They can burn as much coal as they want. And, and who's, who's going to bother them there? Nobody. So, you know, as I said, China is burning coal like there's no tomorrow. So we, we've got to get back to being more competitive. Now that we haven't got the European Union breathing down our neck, I'm sure we can we can do this, but we need to move fast on this. Now, talking of China, their real estate and debt bubble has, is, is not over yet. It's not going away. Uh, Evergrande and two other Chinese property companies have just this week defaulted on, on a foreign-owned bond uh, payments, bond interest payments. That's that's billions of of dollars of bonds that have been lent to these companies by foreign institutions using maybe some of our money, some of our savings, some of our pension money. And you know that if they default, if that doesn't get paid, what will happen then? Will it will it cause a collapse in that market? I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But if it if it comes down like a domino effect and and China goes down, then it's going to bring other countries down with it. I, I've no doubt. And I reported yesterday that stock markets could fall by ten percent. This is a warning from the Bank of England, no less. Uh, they feel that financial markets and and stock markets uh, could could see a sharp downturn as, as we 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 move into lower expectations of economic recovery up from the lockdown. And and this this is quite serious because if if the stock markets drop and you've got interest rates going up, what then? You know that 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 is not is a recipe for a, a long term recession. So let let's see how can you protect yourself from a from a stock market crash or a property crash that could follow a stock market crash. Property moves a bit slower than stocks, but you know with with the stock market crash, it only takes some small event like 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 last year with the lockdown. It just takes a few sell-offs and then you have these automatic uh, algorithms that start selling things off and then that that the prices will start to tumble it can happen in in a, in a, in a minute you know and and if you're trying to then sell your stocks then you're, you're too late it's gone it's happened you know you wake up and well, hang on the stock market's gone down it's gone that's it what do you do so just protect yourself if even if you if you're not directly invested in the stock market your pension funds if it's a, a money purchase type pension fund or a personal pension or work based pension probably is invested in in the stock market so uh, you, you've just got to be uh, mindful of that and have a word with your your manager your your pension fund manager your administrator uh, at, or your financial advisor 
Okay, so just check where your money's invested. Is it, you know, 80 or 90% exposed to the stock market in a high risk type of situation? Or is it maybe 40 or 50% in a medium risk? Uh, so, so just be careful of that. Because these fund managers, you know, they get paid a lot of money to, to invest in funds. Index funds, for instance, uh, already account for some 80% of the money that goes into the stock market, uh, mostly through uh, three, three large companies, one of them being Vanguard, uh, a bigger one is BlackRock, Blackstone, BlackRock. Uh, I mean, these are huge, huge companies that, that invest trillions of, of dollars on, on our behalf. Now, you know, that, that, that money's in there. It's not their money, is it? It's it's our money. So so they can leave the money in there and not worry. Uh, but but if, you know, if you're an individual investor, you have a choice to pull your money out. It's not going to bring the market down if you pull your, your money out. But I guess if Vanguard sold all all of the shares in in the stock market that it managed. That would cause a collapse. So so they can't move as nimbly as as we can. So just check with that. Uh, and the real answer here is to is education is to learn more about uh, you know investing yourself to become more financially aware. And it, it's the key to to building your wealth and keeping your wealth. Uh, so, so never stop learning. That's my my, my advice. Uh, keep watching and listening to my free podcasts uh, on on YouTube, my YouTube channel. I'll, I'll put a link up to it. Uh, and you know, if you're watching on on YouTube, then please do like and subscribe to my channel. Really appreciate that because then it gets out to, to more people. And similarly with Facebook, please like and share it if, if you're watching on Facebook. And even on iTunes, if you watch, if you listen to the podcast on iTunes, you, you can also share that as well and, and like it or whatever. You know, it, it just gets gets my my name out there. So so thanks for listening. If you, if you want to take advantage of any of my free training, there's a link there below. Please feel free to click on that and and go ahead and take advantage of that. So thanks for listening, and have a have a great evening. And just you know, get yourself educated. Be be financially aware. Some of the little tips you can do is just to read a good a good financial newspaper every day the financial times the wall street journal just glance through the the headlines just to know what's going on i know you should be concentrating more on on your own internal internal economy but you still need to know what's going on out there and, and what might affect your economy you can also find these things on the web you can look at just looking at say um some of the the big websites the uh uh, the financial websites, Bloomberg, and that's so where you, you can get a pretty good feel for what's going on out there in the market. So you can anticipate things yourself. And and was at the weekend. There's also some good uh, in the UK. We have you know the Saturday Telegraph, the Sunday Times, uh, which are good newspapers at the weekend to go through personal money, personal money issues like you know where to get mortgages, which which are the best mortgage rates out there, which are the best deals on on loans. Uh, which companies are are perhaps not providing a good service? Uh, all these sorts of things, and it will give uh, tips on on pensions, pen, explaining pensions, explaining investments, explaining wills and trusts. I mean, today in one of the newspapers I picked up, uh, there, there was a section on uh, lifetime mortgages, these equity release mortgages. I must do a session on that sometime. So thanks for listening, and have a great evening. Thanks for tuning in, for sharing, for liking, and and subscribing. Thanks a lot. Good to see you. Thank you for listening to Money Tips. For more tips and information, visit moneytipsdaily.com. The information given in this podcast is for your entertainment and should not be construed as financial advice. As always, take independent financial advice before making any investment decisions. 